0: Again. Huh? Louder, right? too many machines here. Okay, Beroa Baim, welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 78. Specifically, we've been studying the subject of anava. As we mentioned, anava is the key ingredient for great relationships, great marriage, and a great relationship with the Creator of the world. Before we get into Anava for today, I'd like to share with you a very simple principle that is obvious, but sometimes obvious is not so obvious so it's well worth it to speak it out as you know our Torah is Torah Emet what does it mean Torah Emet? it means that it's not an idea that someone thought of it's not a strategy that someone came up with Emet means That it originates from the source of truth, which is the creator, the one who made this world, the one who created us and created everything around us. And he knows exactly what's emet, what's what we call right, and what's sheker, what's called wrong. Of course with our human eyes, very often we see something as right, right for us, right for them, and very often we're wrong. What we thought was right was wrong. What we thought was wrong is right. Sometimes we find out a minute later, sometimes we find out a week later. And sometimes we find out years later. And sometimes we don't find that at all. We may live with the pain of our decisions, but sometimes we don't realize that they're connected to something that we thought was right, but it wasn't. So it's very difficult for humans to stamp something as emet, as the right thing what's right for you, what's right for your children what's the right way to be, what's the right way to talk what's the right way to react very hard for a human being to sit and write a book about emet or to speak about emet on their own because as humans we have limitations just like we can't hear as far as we would like right now there are things going on A 100 feet away. We don't hear it. We have ears, but we're limited. Our ears are limited. Our eyes are limited. Our legs are limited. We cannot fly. We're limited. We're also limited in our thought process. We don't see. We think we're gonna get somewhere But the road that we choose actually goes the other direction. But we don't see that because we're limited. It's not that we're foolish. It's not that we're not smart. We just don't see. Especially when we're younger, we don't see anything. Hopefully as we get older, we start seeing more, but not necessarily. So therefore, when a person gives advice, either to himself or to people that he cares about? Not necessarily can we say, oh wow, that's emet. Very often it could sound great. But not necessarily is it true. That's why we call the Torah, Torah, emet. Because it's really the only source that we can stamp as emet. Because the one who gave it to us is the Creator who knows everything, who sees everything, who's not limited in any way. So he sees the short-term and long-term effects of everything that we do. That is what the word emet means. Torah, emet. It's a Torah, which means it it is principles and values and laws that are emet. Because they originate in the source of truth. In fact, Hazal tells us that when Hashem signs His name, so to speak, when He signs His name, He signs Aleph, Mem, Taf. Emet. That's His signature. Meaning the essence of the Creator is truth. There's a right way to everything. And there's a wrong way to everything. And the only one that has the stamp ahead of time, before you do trial and error, because there's not much time in life for too many trial and errors, before you could stamp something, you need to ask, was this stamp by the Creator? Torah Emet. So if somebody sees you and asks you, why are you doing that? So you'd say, because Hashem said. Why don't you eat that? Because Hashem said. So what He said? You know, He's Torah Emet. He knows what He's saying. He knows that for me, I can't eat that. Just like doctors know that certain people could eat certain things, and others can't. How come? That's how it is. The Creator knows that for our neshama, certain foods don't work. It's emet. Me and you might say, what's the difference? Aren't we the same as everybody else? Hashem says, no, you're different. You're a different kind of patient. You need something else. So someone says, why don't you eat that? Because it's not emet. It's not good for me. Why are you doing that on Shabbat? Because it's emet. Why don't you do that on Shabbat? Because it's emet. That is the life of a Jew. Anything that, anytime that we do, is either emet, or if we're not following, it's sheker. So basically, a life of a Jew is a life of emet. It's supposed to be, at least. It's a life where a person lives according to the values of the creator very simple but I'd like to give you a little addition to that and that is that when the person acts according to the emet there are many Side benefits that he never he never thought about when he was doing the emet. Somebody asked you why you're doing that, you said emet. But you didn't realize that that emet, besides doing whatever you were doing, brought you so many other things that you didn't know about. There are many side benefits in the world of emet. I know it's not so clear, so I'm going to give you a few examples. Shabbat, to the person who never observed Shabbat, they didn't grow up with Shabbat, if someone would tell them about Shabbat and its laws and what you need to do, and what you can't do. After learning the laws of Shabbat on paper. The emet of Shabbat. Shabbat is called menuhat emet. That's what we say in our tefillah. It's interesting. We never knew that there's a menuha of sheker. Sounds like there's a way to have menuha. that's emet. There's a right way to rest. And then there's a wrong way to rest. I'm not sure what we think rest is but Shabbat is called Menuhat Emet It's the way Hashem says resting is going to work If you describe Shabbat and all of its laws to the person who never kept Shabbat I bet you wouldn't inspire him I bet the person would walk away thinking why would anyone do this why would you not drive is it easier to walk that doesn't make sense why would you not put on lights is it better to sit in darkness it's a better rest if i sit in darkness why can't i heat up something is it better to eat something cold Why can I play with that? Isn't it more fun if I could? And you could say this for a thousand different things on Shabbat. So, to the person on the outside who never experienced Shabbat the right way, on paper, the emet of Shabbat looks Dry, unappealing maybe difficult maybe complicated and more not exciting for sure like if they would keep Shabbat it would be because they have to okay Hashem said I'll do it I believe in God I'll do it but I'm really not interested but what choice do I have I'm going to do it So the person says, okay, let's keep Shabbat. And they start keeping Shabbat once, twice, a month, two, three. And as they're living the Shabbat, they start realizing things about the Shabbat that they never dreamed were actually there when they started. For example... Without them realizing, they got closer to their family. Because they don't really sit together during the week. Everyone's got a different schedule. Everyone's going somewhere. And even if they're there, they're on their phone. Someone's running out. Someone's coming in. Even if they're there, they're rushing. So when do you have people, people that you love, and people that you need to get close to, people that you want to get close to? When do you get that chance? And then you realize, really, Shabbat does that for you. It puts people parked on a table for two hours, and they have nowhere to go. Now of course, if you don't keep Shabbat the right way, you still have places to go. You still figure it out. You'll do basic Shabbat, but you certain things are not for you. I only keep it like sixty percent, maybe eighty percent, because if I cut that part of my Shabbat, I can't enjoy Shabbat. That's a mistake. Because if you have people keeping Shabbat the right way, they have nowhere to go. Except to visit their parents or friends, rest, read, go to a class, spend time with your family. That's it. There's nothing else to do. You're not supposed to be traveling on Shabbat from place to place. That's not what Shabbat looks like. But if you live Shabbat the right way, all of a sudden... You wake up a year later and you realize your family is so much closer to each other. And you scratch your head and you say, when did that happen? When did my, my children get so close? They talk to each other. They actually care for each other. And then you realize Friday night was a big one. Shabbat day was a big one. Shabbat in general, the Hagim, the holidays, so the menuhat emet that you didn't understand and you were just doing it because Hashem said and you thought it just gave you rest then you realize it gave you more than rest. It gave you first of all a different kind of rest. The Shabbat rest is not a Sunday rest. It's a different kind of rest. It's a rest of the body and the soul. It's a, it's a rest of the mind. It's a, it's a kind of rest that you can't get on a vacation. But besides that, you now have a family that talks to each other. And then you realize that Shabbat has not only kept your family together, it has kept your community together. There would be no community like ours, without Shabbat. We live very close to the people that we love. Family, neighbors, friends, are all together. We walk the streets, we see people, we talk to people, people help us, we help them, we're there for each other, we have a wedding, people come, Every night, we're close. Someone needs help? In 20 minutes, money is figured out. Now, without Shabbat, that would not be so easy. In fact, some years ago, I think I mentioned this once, some years ago, they had a council, a meeting, of the rabbis of the conservative movement here in America. And they had a big dilemma. It's hard to believe, looking at conservatives today, that they actually had even a question. But they had a dilemma if they should allow driving on Shabbat. They basically agreed that you shouldn't be driving on Shabbat. It's against the Shabbat. It's against the emet of Shabbat. But then they said, but... People in America live far away. If we don't let them drive, so then how are they going to get to the Bet Knesset? How are they going to pray in shul? And praying in shul is what keeps people together. So they decided in that meeting, an amazing sack of halacha. they said that people can drive on Shabbat just to go to shul and back. Of course, you have to get the car ready beforehand. Make sure it's working well. Make sure you fill up gas. This is all in the... I'm not making this up. It's all part of the sack. There was a question of Friday night. Might also be such an important part of the Jew that maybe you could drive also to someone... To eat Friday night dinner because it's so important. They suggested maybe eat by someone next to Shul. And when you read this or you read this 60, 70 years ago, you'd say, wow, I mean, I hear it. it makes sense. If you want to have people, if you want to have Jews, you got to let them come and see each other on Shabbat. I think we would have voted for it. Probably we would have said, but we can't do it because Hashem said no. The Torah says you can't do this. There's no such halacha that says you're allowed to break Shabbat to go to shul. It doesn't exist. There are times to break Shabbat like when somebody is in danger. The Torah says, danger, Shabbat, danger wins. Milah, on the eighth day, you break Shabbat. That's it. There are no other... Types of rules in the Torah for breaking Shabbat. Going to pray with people is not one of them. Going to have Seudat Shabbat is not one of them. Fast all day. You can't break Shabbat. Don't eat. So, if we were at that meeting, we would have said, I mean, these people make sense. What can I tell you? But, we're traditional people. We don't do that. There's Torah, I don't do it. But in reality, years later, you realize that it did exactly opposite. We who did not give such a license, because it wasn't there, Shabbat has kept our community close. It actually allowed people to grow more, because they knew they couldn't drive. And therefore, it just took a little bit of time to get people to understand that, It was hard for them, but little by little, people started to understand that you got to live close to Shul. And what that did is, it brought everyone together. And now we have a community that grows just from being close to each other. There are people in the community that are not so educated. They don't know much about Judaism. They didn't learn. They didn't go to school. But just being around it, It's around the corner. But you imagine everyone lived miles away from each other. Where you didn't see people going to shul. You didn't see people coming back. They're going to a class. Where would people get their growth from? Our community has literally been saved by Shabbat. We would not be close to each other if not for Shabbat. We didn't know that when we kept Shabbat Emmet. We didn't know that. We did it, Hashem said. But there's other benefits: Your family benefited. Your children benefited from hearing you talk on Shabbat to them. When do you have a chance to say, "Guys, I just heard something. Let me share something with you. an idea, a thought. When do you have that ability to sit with your children, young and old, and grandchildren, to be able to share with them certain wisdom that they need in life? Where are they getting it from, if not from you? And when is that opportunity? When do you have an audience? Shabbat table. Side benefit. Emmet has a lot of side benefits. That you only realize, here is the, here's the, the little thing we have to keep in mind, the side benefits, you only realize them when you're in it. When you're not in it, you don't see it. When you're not, when you're not in it, even the emet you don't see. Forget the side benefits. But when you're in it, all of a sudden, a new world opened to you That is closed to most of humanity. Things that we do, we Shomre Shabbat, who keep Shabbat Kehil Cheta. What we have, at one time, a few weeks ago, I was sitting with my children on the Shabbat table, and of course, we were enjoying the Shabbat table in every way the food, the singing, the discussions, the jokes. Whatever it was, it was great. It was hours. Nobody wants to leave. No no one wants to leave. And I turned to my family and said, could you imagine? I said, we do this every week. Twice, at least. I said, could you imagine that a goy never did this once in his whole life? He never had this once in his whole life in the way we have it. Never. Every week. Such a beautiful thing. Again, if you don't do it right, you don't get the beauty. You got to cover all the bases. You know, you have a fence that's supposed to be blocking everybody from coming in. A gorgeous fence, you work so hard on making every little spot strong, solid. And then in the end, you leave this big hole. So all your work to block the fence did nothing. They just come in from the side. So you keep Shabbat 90%, but then you let the other part slip. Don't don't think you're gaining when you don't do it right. You're only losing so much of the benefit that you had. You worked so hard to make it right. And then you left the hole. And you allowed all the negative to come through that hole. I want to give an example to that. Not as a relevant example. I know it's not relevant to anybody here. But imagine a person kept Shabbat 100%. Really, 100%. The only thing they couldn't do, they couldn't put away their phones. Too hard for them. They can't do it. They just cannot put away their phone, their addicted to their phone, they're stuck to their phone, their phone is like their skin, they cannot part with it, there are such people so they say listen, I'm going to keep Shabbat 100% 100% but I can't do away with the phone that's basically covering your security with a beautiful fence and you left a hole for everyone to come in Your Shabbat table, gone. It's gone. But what do you mean? I still have the Shabbat table. It's still here. The food is here. The chairs are here. The people are sitting. Yeah, but their brain isn't there. You're gone. The patience isn't there. It's gone. So many things are gone. How many things you did wrong? One. But you did a thousand things right. I know, but it's not not a Shabbat. So who benefited from Shabbat? How many benefits? I'm only mentioning a few. I'm sure if we sat here together, we would realize how much we've gotten out of Shabbat. Family, friendships, community, guidance, respect for parents. When do children respect their parents? During the week, they don't see them. They're in and out. One fellow told me the other day, when I come home, I have to text all my family to tell them that I'm home. That's right. Everyone has got their own room and on their own floor. So I said, how is it? Because I was telling him, you know, when you come into the house, you're supposed to come in a certain way. He said, Rabbi, I come into the house, there's nobody there. So what do you mean? Like, where's your kids? Where's your family? He said, well, I don't know. Each one's in their own place. I said, well, like, you don't see each other? He said, well, if I want to see them, I say, Daddy's home. I said, and then what happens? He said, some come down. That's what happens. Maybe it's an exaggerated version, but it's something like that. When does a child give respect to his father and mother? well in my home where I grew up it was Shabbat because Shabbat we made Kiddush and we all kissed our parents hands not give them a kiss on the cheek no we didn't do that in my house we don't kiss our parents on the cheek that's that's equal that's you kiss me on one cheek I'll kiss you on the other we're the same we're like on the same level we don't do that I mean, maybe during the week we would do that. But Shabbat, you kiss your father's hand. You kiss your mother's hand. What does that do? Why do I need them to kiss my hand? Oh, don't kiss my hand. I don't want the saliva on my hand. What is that for? I don't need the respect like that. That's what some foolish parents might think. And I understand them. I don't need it. You don't need it, but they need it. One day in 15, 20 years, you're going to tell them something and they're not listening to you. They don't care what you say. And you say, how come these kids don't listen to me? I don't get it. How come they don't respect me? So I'm going to tell you why they don't respect you and why they don't listen. Because they never kissed your hand. Because you never taught them that there's a mother and father here. And there is someone below, and that's you. You never taught them that. You don't listen to people that you don't respect. You need to respect, and then you listen. Are you teaching your children to teach, to learn to listen? On Shabbat, everyone's got a spot. Father sits here, mother sits there. There's a hierarchy. There's a system here. We're not a free for all. So one day you'll wake up and realize the reason why you can give your children advice to help them in life, and they'll come to you when they have an issue so you could work it out with them, is because of Shabbat. You never thought that in a million years that Shabbat would create such a reality in your family, but it does. I can go on and on just on Shabbat. Again, the principle is that emet from the outside looks dry, boring, and unappealing. Hashem made it that way on purpose. If emet looked appealing and awesome and exciting, there'd be no free choice. Nobody in this world will ever choose to do something that's not emet. Why would they? In order for there to be free choice, that I should choose to keep Shabbat, it has to be not so appealing. On the outside. But the way of emet is, as you jump in, as you jump in that pool of emet, all of a sudden, wow, this is great. When you touch the water of the pool from the outside, it's cold. You don't want to go in. But when you're in the water, you don't want to get out. But you got to get in first. Emet has many side benefits. How many people got rich because of Shabbat in our community? How many people struggled or struggle, and don't really have money. You know, people talk about how difficult it is to buy a house. But I'll tell you, a lot of people have benefited from selling their homes for much more money than they really deserve. 20 by hundreds going for $3, 4000000 million. $10, $15 million. What's going on? The answer is Shabbat. It is Shabbat that brought price to my home. My home is worth today more. I have a little more security because of Shabbat. It should be worth 200,000. It's worth 3 million, 4 million, more. I know it's not necessarily benefiting everyone but a lot of people did benefit and do benefit. Without Shabbat, that wouldn't happen. How many community projects have started because of Shabbat? Because of people around the table or people by a sabbat or people who got together for a Maza after shahrit? I say, you know, people need help in this area. I agree with you. Let's do something. Let's start something. Usually th- things don't start with one person on his own. People start talking. Where is that setting? Shabbat is, a lot of it comes from Shabbat. And that's just one example. So much more. shon hara. Hashem tells us, don't talk like that. Don't say that. It's not good for you. Now, we actually would enjoy to talk like that. But if we kept the laws, we'd say, okay. You know, if you learn Hilchot Lashonara, if you open the Hafetz Haim about the Halachot of Shonara, you'd see a very hard life. So why? So I can't say anything. That's usually the reaction after you learn that book. So I can't say anything. Basically, I can't talk. That's basically what the Hafez Hayim is saying. You can't say this and you can't say that. You gotta be careful with that. You can't hint that. You can't. So after I finish the book, you know what? I, that means I can't talk. Forget it. I can't do it. Unappealing. The halachot of lashon hara are unappealing. They make you feel like your mouth went to jail. But then there are some who say, listen, it's Torah Emet, what should I do? That's what Hashem said. If Hashem says, Don't talk like that, I can't talk like that. I'll do it. I'm not looking to enjoy it, I'm not looking to benefit. That's what God said. He made me, He told me I'll do it. Then all of a sudden you enter a world. Where it's Lashonara, free. That's a different world. It feels different. Just as the person, they feel cleaner. But more than that, there's so many side benefits. All of a sudden, you have real friends. All of a sudden, you become a trustworthy person. All of a sudden, your family respects you more. You know, when you talk about somebody else, whoever is listening knows that tomorrow they could be the target too. You lose your value. You lose your trust. You lose your friends. All it takes is one person to hear that you might be saying something. And they know it could be true because they heard you saying it with somebody else. And maybe it's not true. But once it's a rumor, and it's out. If you were a different kind of person, they would never accuse you of that. that. That person wouldn't say that. Can't be. Let me check on that. How many people have lost their friends and have lost their respect amongst their peers because of Lashon Hara? How many relationships, how many marriages have been broken because of Lashon Hara? And we can go on what Lashon Hara has done to our people but if you actually kept your mouth emet you would benefit so much you wouldn't say things that will come back to haunt you maybe not all of them everything haunts you spiritually but how many will you actually feel haunted you? I don't know but there will be, there's no question about it there will be they will be suffering from Lashon Hara. Person starts to learn. Somebody tells them, Come learn. Come learn Torah in the morning. Come on, you're waking up late, 8 o'clock, you're waking up. Come on, come learn. Come at 6 o'clock, come learn. Learning, what is that? You open a book, you start learning. You read a language you don't understand, it's hard for you to understand what's going on. What are you going to learn about tomorrow? we're going to learn about this, about that. I don't know. It doesn't sound so exciting. Learning, for those who don't learn, does not sound appealing at all. It's not like this kind of class either, where you sit back and you relax and you listen. Some people are sleeping. Some people are up. It's fine. It's good. It goes. It's enjoyable if you want it. If you want to check out, you can check out. But if you're learning with a book, you can't do that. There's no one prepared to give it to you. You got to sit down and break your head. What does this mean? I don't know. Let's figure it out. Let's start thinking. Let's start opening another page. Maybe the answer is there. It's work, not appealing. I'd rather just lay down on the couch. To those who don't learn, there's no appeal in learning. It's boring, it's tiresome. It's humbling. You walked in feeling smart. You walk out feeling stupid. Who wants that? I sit on my couch. I'm a melech. I'm a king. I know everything. That's how learning looks on the outside. But then you start learning. A, you start to go crazy for it. You love it. But how many side benefits are there in learning? You know how many things improve in your life when you start learning? You start realizing, oh no, why why do I do that? Why, Why would I talk like that? I shouldn't walk into the house like that. I shouldn't react like that. That's not the way to raise a child. What am I doing? And all of a sudden, your life starts to totally change because someone came and told you, let's learn in the morning. someone tells you, come, let's pray in the Bet Knesset. Let's pray with the Minyan every day. No, no, I pray at home. No, no, but you're not supposed to pray at home. You're supposed to pray in shul. Minyan. What's the difference? I have more Kavanah at home. I concentrate at home. I can't concentrate in shul. Guess what? You still have to go to shul. But does it make sense? You're right. Torah Temet, That's how it is. That's how it works. And all of a sudden, they start going to shul. And in shul, besides praying, they start to meet people who might need their help. They start giving charity. They start getting involved in organizations that need their help. You have no idea where that goes. The side benefits of being in Beth Knesset every morning? Perhaps the biggest benefit is you see people with a smile For a few minutes a day. Most people during the day, when you see somebody, they give you a look, or they're uninterested in seeing you or talking to you. They have their own business. In the morning, you spend two hours in shul, it's like, wow, fresh air for two hours. Good morning, how are you doing? Have a nice day. Good wishes, berachot, berkat kohanim. Beautiful. You walk every day, changes your life. You become a happier person. Not from the praying, by the way, from all the other side things. This is endless. Kashrut, same. What Kashrut has done for our people, besides the food, besides the ill effects of foods that contaminate our souls, that make a real impression on our everything that we've discussed already in the past, in, in this series. What food can do to your simha. But besides all that, I'm not even gonna go into that. When you only eat kosher, you're protected. Your children are protected. There's certain boundaries they'll never be able to cross because they only eat kosher. They can't eat with certain people. They can't be with certain people. The people that you dread and would be frightened, that they should be talking to, once you're eating kosher, that will never happen. When you watch what you put in your mouth, you're protecting your entire family And their future. You never thought about that. And so much more. Modesty. Another Torah emet. What's the difference what I wear? What is the difference? Oh, Hashem says? Okay, it looks kind of boring to be honest. But if that's what Hashem says, some people will say, Okay. I'll do it What can I do? Torah The benefits of Modesty Especially by a woman Is Life changing In every way It's literally Earth shattering To a person's life A woman with modesty Is a focused woman Focused on what? She's focused on the most important things in her life. She's focused on her family, on a husband, on a child, but not focused like, I love them, I think about them. Also requires a little focus. Some women are all over the place. She's all over the place. To no fault of their own, they're just that way. but if they would have tseni'ut in their life, there are certain things they can't do. There are certain places they can't go. That's just a way of modesty. Modesty makes you more focused on the important things in your life. Not only will you be focused on those things, but you'll have the wisdom to deal with it the right way. A, w- a woman has Bina. Bina is the most powerful piece of equipment that a human could have. It's knowing things. It's understanding things. Modesty's got a big role to play in that. You protect yourself, you protect your children. you're a better mother, you're a better wife because of it. Now, from the outside, that will never be apparent, never. In fact, it may look like the opposite in certain ways. But those who are in the pool of modesty, they would never get out. Those who understand and live by it never want to get out. They see how much it's doing for their family for their children. You raise up a modest girl, it's a different world. You don't have to sit in your bed every night worried. What's going to be? It's a different world when your children have that lifestyle. They're happier people. Of course they have challenges like everybody else. But they're different kind of challenges. They're not challenges where like, you want to give up on life. They're challenges where you have to climb the, the mountain. We all have challenges. But a lack of modesty brings a dangerous world to your children. Forget the religion. I would tell someone who's not religious and has no interest in religion. Raise your children to be modest. You'll enjoy them more. And they'll enjoy themselves more. They'll enjoy their life more. You see, a lot of the issues that children go through, if they were modest, they wouldn't have them. But how? I don't understand. What does that mean? They dress modest, they're not, yeah. Yes. Because modesty is a world, it's not an act. There's so much more that it brings with it. It brings thinking, it brings strength it brings clarity and so much more the way we raise our children you know the Jewish people have had a system of education from the time that we were born as a nation there's a way we educate boys Is a way we educate girls. Boys and girls need to be separate until they get into an age where they're ready to get married and ready to go into a very difficult world. They need it because they need those years of formation on their own before they're ready to go into the jungle of marriage. Marriage is a jungle. Anyone who's married knows that. Some is a small jungle, and some is a big jungle. But until you have developed your qualities, until you've worked on yourself, marriage needs humility. When does humility become a part of your life? At what point? Well, if you're 12 and 13 and dating, if you're 14 and you're going out, if you're already in the jungle when you're a 10, so when exactly do you work on strengthening who you are? That's why Hashem didn't create us married. You don't think God can make us married from day one? Why do we have to wait? till we're 18, 19, 20, 22, 20, why? What was the creator thinking? If marriage is an important part of life, which of course it is, from the most important, why don't we just get on it from the beginning? What's this creation where Hashem said, no, no, you can't get married yet. You need time. Time for what? Time to be able to be married. You need time to develop yourself. If you don't develop yourself and you're not happy with yourself and you're not growing yourself, then you're going into the jungle and now you're going to figure it out? It's like a person who never lifted weights and they give him to bench press 500 pounds. How in the world could he do that? So you're supposed to be mehaneh yourself. But the world out there in the street basically doesn't give you the time for that. You don't have the time to look at yourself and build yourself because you're thrown into the jungle when you hit 10. And when do you figure it out? You don't have time to figure it out because the world is spinning so fast around you. That's one benefit of Torah Emet. The Creator says, raise your child and prepare them First, on their own in order to be ready for something that is beautiful but needs preparation. When you don't do that, so you might say, oh, I'm just not listening to Torah to No, you're doing more than that. You're not getting all the benefits of such a child. I mentioned this before. I don't remember in this class or maybe other classes but it's something to keep in mind always. Because Baruch Hashem, we do attend a lot of weddings. And I pray that you only go to smachot-like weddings. And every wedding, you sit there and you're listening to the Sheva Berachot. Sheva Berachot are also during the week. And each Beracha of the seven Berachot is meant to, to highlight another beautiful part of this marriage and when you look at this beracha number 6 and 7 they look identical almost seems like we ran out of materials we just repeated the same beracha, because the 6th beracha says baruch ata Hashem Mesameh hatan vekala we bless Hashem that he brought simha to a hatan and kalah. Beautiful. Hashem created simha, and He created that the hatan and kalah are able to share special simha that people generally can't—they can't celebrate. Beautiful. That's a creation. Simha is a creation. Good. You come to the seventh beracha, and you're waiting for the peak, for the highlights, the last beracha. It's the longest beracha. It's the most beautiful beracha. And you're ready. Well, what are we going to talk about now? We, we spoke about the simha of the hatan and kala. What better thing? What more important thing? And it says, Baruch atah Hashem, Mesameyah he hatan Kala. Hashem, you bring the simha to the hatan with the Kala. Anybody listening says, what happened? Did they just repeat the same barakah? So it's almost the same, but not exactly. Like people bring up their children almost, but not exactly. You, you missed something very big. You almost did it. You almost did it right. You almost did Shabbat right, but you left a big hole. Almost. The first one is mesamea hatan VeKala. Notice Hatan and Kala. The last one is mesamea hatan imha with the kalah. Because these are two separate berachot. The first beracha is that Hashem gave the hatan and Kala the ability and the time to become happy themselves. Not with each other. First hatan and then kalah. Separate. They're happy people with themselves. That's the sixth beracha. Thank you for giving my children the years and the education and the ability to give them simha stand alone. You know how many people are waiting to be happy when they get married? They're 16, miserable teenagers. But deep somewhere in their mind they say, but when I get married this is all going to be over. When I get married, it's gonna be time for happiness. Like all my problems now, it's because I'm single. Whether it's a man, a young man, a young lady, same. When we get married, everything's gonna be great, it's gonna be calm, it's gonna be, forget it. People think that marriage is the island of happiness. They're right now in the water, It's not so easy in the water. But when they hit the island of happiness, done. Beautiful. But it's not that way. And everyone married knows it's not that way. It's so important to prepare for that island. Marriage is not a savior of happiness. Marriage is the Jungle that you prepared for that you can enjoy if you know how to do it if you know how to walk through the jungle you'll be great imagine you, they threw you in a jungle and you never knew about this jungle you're dead but if you prepared 18 years for a jungle and you go in there you're careful, you know how to handle it you do great you love the jungle it's gorgeous look at that beautiful pond look at that tree Look what's going on over there. It's beautiful because you know what you're doing. So the first biracha is thank you, Hashem, that you gave my children the ability to find happiness on their own. And then, and only then, can they be happy with each other. Because when a person is not happy on their own, they cannot be happy with others. You only need to be in a relationship for a few days to realize that. That most unhappiness of people together is because the person themselves is not happy. When you're not happy, you make everyone around you miserable. When you feel incomplete, you make everyone around you feel incomplete. That's just the way the world is. Two special berachot in the right order. So here you are listening, Torah temet, Hashem says that's the way we do it, that's the way we raise our children, okay listen I don't agree with it, I think it's boring I think it's much more exciting when there's lights and music and all kinds of things, they're going to be in much more exciting teenage years that's what I think, but you know what Torah temet, what should I do? I'll go the boring way and when you're in it, you realize it's not boring at all, you realize it gave your life, you as a parent much more simha much more peace of mind and it gave your children the qualities to have a great marriage and to be great parents. The side benefits of Torah Emet are endless. Taharata Mishpaha another book that's read from the outside impossible. What is that? Finally I got married. All these laws of Taharat Mishbaha, what is that? You sit down with somebody to teach them Taharat Mishbaha. If Lashon Hara was jail, this is like solitary confinement. What is that? What are you talking about? And then there are many people, thank God, they say, it's Torah, what should I do? That's what God said. It's the right thing. What can I do? So I'll do it. On my own, I'll never do it. But if that's what Hashem says, I'll do it. It takes some years and maturity to understand the tremendous benefits of Ta'raz and Mishpaha, not the ones of just following the rules. So many benefits that I'm not going to go into today. So many obvious benefits to those who are swimming in the waters of Taharata Mishpaha. But those you don't know about when you read the book. But when you're in the water, you understand it. No one has to tell you. You live it. That was a little introduction. So if you have to leave now, it's a good time. Just, just to give you an idea, I have 20 pages, I'm up to page 3. <laughs> like I tell you many times, you can leave any time you want. All that was an introduction to one other Torah Emet. There's a Torah emet that we've been learning the last few weeks. It's the Torah emet of anava. There is a Torah about humility. A Torah of what it is. If you missed the class, you better catch up. There's a lot to learn. What it is. How to practice it. As you learn more about it, you realize it's not so easy to be Humble you realize that it takes a lot of avodah, a lot of work. And if you really learn humility in the books really well, like Baruch Hashem we've been learning, you'll start to realize, A, you're not humble, and B, you don't want to be humble. Because it's hard work. Being humble is hard. It's an investment. It doesn't feel appealing to live a humble life, especially when you learn what it is. That's what humility is in the books. But Shlomo HaMelech opens our eyes and mind. He doesn't do it by all items. I'm not sure why he's picked this one. But in Mishlei he says, let me tell you the side benefits of humility. He didn't do it by Shabbat. He didn't do it by other mitzvot. I don't know why, but I guess he wanted to give us something really special to think about. So Anava, I don't need Shlomo Melech to tell me that Anava is the right thing. The Torah says that. But yet Shlomo Melech feels that it's important that we know the following piece of information. He says akev anava the word akev means at the heel the heel always follows the foot you can't walk and the heel doesn't follow you it's an automatic so when you want to say it's an automatic consequence you say akev akev anava at the heel of humility I means if you have humility, what could you expect coming right there? He gives four gifts that come into your life at the heel of Anava. One is Yiratashem means spiritual success. The things you weren't able to do because it was too hard for you or you didn't understand or you couldn't connect to or whatever it is, all of a sudden, you have anava. You're able to achieve spiritually things that you never were able to do before. Anava brings asher. It makes you wealthy makes you a very wealthy, rich person. Kavod, it gives you honor. People living their whole life for honor. They work very hard just for honor. They travel the world to get honor. They're looking for it every place they can find it. They make parties for honor. They buy things for honor. And sometimes it's costly. But says Shlomo Melech, you don't have to travel to get honor. You don't have to fly places. If you have Anava, comes honor into your life. You feel honor without looking for it and the fourth item the fourth side benefit is haim is life it doesn't mean I don't think life of breathing there's different levels of life a person who's in a coma lo is also alive but they're not living there's a difference between alive and living There are many people alive. But they're not really living. They're not living the max. They're not excited every day to wake up. They're not involved. And not wanting to go to sleep because there's so much to do. They're alive. But they're not living. Says Shalom Melech with humility... You start to live amazing side benefits spiritual achievement wealth honor and you start to live what an unbelievable beauty if you open up the he says the following this gives us an understanding a little bit what Shilomo Melech was talking about Certainly, that Pasuk I just said, probably we could spend a few months on it. I'm not going to. But just to give you a little glimpse of what he means, says the Havot Levavot. He says, a person who lives with humility, real humility, he says there are three major benefits in this world, meaning in the physical world. And there are three major benefits in the spiritual world. When, when you have Anava, he lists. Number one. in the physical world, he says, a person who is anav is samayah Behelko. He's always happy. That means if you're not always happy, then must be you're missing anava. Now you might say no. That's not what I'm missing. I'm missing money. No, no. I'm missing a house. No, no. I'm missing a husband. I'm missing a child. I'm missing health. It's true. You might think that. But Shlomo Amr says clear. At the heel of Anava, automatically you have simha. So despite all the issues that you're right, you may be having, Humility doesn't take away your issues. Humility allows you to enjoy life with the issues. So it makes you samayah bi You're always happy. No matter what your portion is. Small portion, big portion, whatever it is. In any area, not just money. Number two, he says a humble person is able... To be sovel, sovel means to carry the difficult challenges of life. Sometimes life isn't what you expected it. Sometimes it brings on a challenge that you didn't want, you didn't think about even. It's hard when things change. You had a lot of money, lo al ino, and you dropped. Your business is doing great last year, this year it's plummeted. Your health was awesome, Not not so good this time. What happens? Life brings on all kinds of changes. What happens to people usually when life sinks a little? They can't live. It says, Oh, you have anava. You don't have to worry. You try your best to live life with all the blessings, but sometimes when life changes, you'll be fine. You handle it. You could carry it. Carry it doesn't mean it goes away. Carry it means you continue being happy and samea. And you carry the box. You don't drop the box. The third thing says He says That a A'nav A humble person Is Which means People love him. Simple. You know what we do To get people to love us? We'll do anything. To be on the invitation list, we'll do anything to be recognized as a somebody. We want people to love us. Says the Havot Levavot. If you have Anava, people love you. Not only they love you. You have Hen, they want to listen to you. They want to hear what you have to say. When you wear the crown of Hen on your head, you become attractive. And it has nothing to do with makeup. Become an attractive person. People just want to hear what you have to say. Mom, what do you think I should do? If the mom has hen, that's what her children will ask. Mom, what do you think? What's your opinion? anavim yiten hen, the pasuk says. Those who are humble, Hashem gives them hen. They get this crown on their head. They become this magnet. People want to be around them. They want to hear from them. Three benefits in this world of humility. Always happy with whatever you have or don't have. No matter what the challenge, you're carrying it and you're going. You're running the marathon, you're carrying the box. It was easier to run before the box but you're still running the same just now it's a little heavy that's all and people are attracted to you they love you they want to be around you they want to hear from you and then he says there are three benefits in the spiritual world for someone who is Anav he's number one he's able to learn Clarity in chukmah. You see, a person who's not humble, he knows everything. What could he not know? I mean, humility means there's what to learn. But if you don't have humility, you know everything. You can't show that you don't know something. Of course, you know it. And if you don't know it, probably it's wrong. Because you know everything that's right. So, therefore, Basically, if you're not humble, you can't learn. And if you can't learn, you don't have wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, you're going to fall on your face in life. Who is at fault? Your lack of humility. It takes humility to come to a class like this. Sit down for a few hours to hear. People here are older. They have a lot of experience. They went to school. They learn. They're bright. They're intelligent. And all of a sudden they have to sit down and listen to someone else talk. So what does that mean? I don't know something? Basically anyone who goes to a shiur is basically saying, I don't know something. And for many people that's not so easy. What don't I know? Why would I go to a class? What does that mean? What am I missing? Like the three-year-old who thinks he's missing, is missing nothing. says... The havot levavot, when you are anav, you don't just learn, but you learn with the full energy to get clarity. Because you know that there's something that you don't have. And it gives you wisdom, which is the most beautiful tool of life. The second, he says, in the spiritual world, is that you fulfill mitzvot the right way. Notice, he said the right way. You don't just do mitzvot. do them right. You see, it takes humility to do the mitzvah of lulav and etrog right. To carry lulav and etrog doesn't take a lot of humility. But to put effort into it and to do it right, takes humility. To put on tefillin, you don't need humility, but to put it on right, to put it on the right place and to be careful, check it, takes humility. To do mitzvot right, humility brings that. Because if you're not so humble, so you're doing God a favor already by putting on tefillin for Him. Now I also got to check where they are on my head. Someone says, go check your tefillin. Nah, for what? Basically, what that means, let me explain what that means. It means I do God a favor every morning. He should thank me already for what I do. Now you want me to do more? But a humble person doesn't think like that. He's saying, I don't do enough. Oh, maybe it's not right? Oh, I better check into it. Let me see. Oh, Shabbat, you can't do that? Oh, I didn't know. If you're not humble, I do plenty on Shabbat. I do more than I need to. Different attitude. Only a humble person can do mitzvot kehilchitan. Do it right. Find out. Are you doing it right? And the third, the third benefit of the spiritual world, he says that Hashem accepts all his good deeds. And his sins or his wrongdoings are erased. It's a whole different chapter. That humility makes you beloved to the creator of the world I know what that means because he loves us all we're his children like we love our children but there's a greater level of connection and there's a greater ahava there's a greater bond between the creator and us when we are humble Hashem says I love humble people I want to be around them Hashem says, I can't stand to be around an arrogant person. Those are words that God said in the Torah. So you're humble? Hashem wants to be close to you. What a, what a beauty. All the side benefits. It gives you a little, a little window into what Shlomo was trying to say. Aikiv anava, irat Hashem, spiritual achievement. Osher, you become an Ashir overnight without hitting the lottery. Kavod, without traveling, without buying, without promotion, full of honor. And you have Hayim. You're alive. Or better yet, you're living. What a beauty! Side benefits of Anava makes the investment so much more worth it. I'm going to give you today one important test to walk around with you always in life. when, When COVID was around, they were selling tests. Some people, they went a little crazy. And they were testing themselves every half hour. (laughs) Even though they were alone for a half hour. Okay, but it was important. Their health was important to them. They're constantly doing tests. When something is important to you, and you don't want to lose it, so you do a test. So I'm going to give you today a little pouch, a little test, put it in your pocketbook, put it in your pockets, and carry it with you all the time. Because today's class should, and if it didn't, then I didn't do a good job, it should have gotten you excited to be anav. It should have gotten you excited to be a lot of things. But at the very least, to be a truly humble person, and then receive the heal and the consequence of anava. Shlomo HaMelech's words are exciting. You could take him to the bank. So everybody should walk out of here today saying, you know something? I don't know about everything that this man said. I hear the Torah to emet. I got to do it right. Anava, I got to get that one. That's like, that's awesome. I got to be a humble person. So, it's very hard to know if you're humble. As we mentioned in past classes, it's a very deceiving characteristic. You could think you're humble, and sometimes very humble, and you're arrogant, and sometimes very arrogant. And all the blessings are falling through the cracks because you're not really humble. So saying you're humble, feeling you're humble, acting humble is not a test. Doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it means the opposite. Sometimes you act humble and you're arrogant. So I'm going to give you a little test that I hope with it we'll be able to achieve something great in our lives and take with us every single moment. So I'm going to report to you a story The Gemara brings in Masechet Shabbat. The Gemara begins in Masechet Shabbat, and probably some of you, maybe all of you heard this story, but I want you to take it slow with me. Don't rush to it. Sometimes you hear things and you say, oh, I got that one, I know it. Okay, go to the next one. Don't rush. I want you to read it slowly with me. Because if you rush through it, you're going to miss a lot of important details. So the Gemara begins by saying that a person should make sure to always be Anav. Okay, after today's class, I think we agree, we understand. Always. I mean, not Anav in the morning. Not Anav in the afternoon. Not Anav when they give you a gift or when they give you a prize. And when they give you honor, ana, Anav, always. Anava is a 24-hour job. It's not when you're around people only. It's when you're by yourself. It's with your family. It's with everybody. Anava is all the time. So says the Gemara, you should be in Anav always. And today we say, we got it. Love it. And then the Gemara says, doesn't stop, because it stopped there. I think all of us would say, okay. I think we're good. Kehilil. But you got to be Anav. And if you want to know that you're Anav, so you have to know if you're like Hilil. Meaning, Hilil is the test that you need to keep with you. Don't say you're Anav unless you're like Hilil. If you're not like Hilil, so you're not Anav. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you're an evil person. Doesn't mean you have nothing. It just means you're not enough. So if you don't have what Hilil had, you're not enough. So make sure you know that. This way, when you go through life and you say, I'm enough. wait, oh, are you like Hilil? Oh, you're not like Hilil? Sorry. You thought it was going to be negative, it came out positive. You thought you weren't sick, you are sick. How do you know? What's the color? Oh, you're not like Hilil. Oh, so I'm not an then. What about Hillel? So the Gemara said, let me explain to you. Let me explain to you which part of Hillel I'm talking about. Here, is, here it is. Says the Gemara, Maase Bishne B'ne Adam. Story happened with two men. ze Edze. They put a bet. They made a wager, one with the other. Basically, the wager was, Amru, they said, Call me, anyone here, me or you. Sheyelik, that will go. Veyaknit et And he will make hilil angry and nervous and upset. He will make 400 zoos, a lot of money. He'll win the prize. I guess they knew that Hilil, I mean, I don't think they would put wagers on us because we're angry before we even start the game. So I guess they knew that Hillel is a prize and the prize of Hilil is that he's not getting angry And if you get him to get angry, that's big. So just from the bet, already you understand, they knew that Hillel is something special. They're waging who can get him angry. Okay. So one of them says, I could do it. On me, leave it to me, I got it done. Which means that in his mind, he had some very strong strategy How to make a man who seems to become, always, angry. He's going to do it. Says the Gemara, he waited till Erev Shabbat. Perfect. Already you know how smart this guy is. We know that timing in the world of anger is very important. A person says to you, one day something... Next day, something same thing. If it's a different kind of mood, you get much easier to get angry. Erev Shabbat is one of those days. Erev Shabbat, people are busy getting themselves ready for Shabbat. At least that's what they're supposed to be doing, and they're all in and getting the Shabbat before the the time clock expires. So everyone's got their own thing. Everyone's timing. Everyone's got their timing on Friday. You know, on regular days you do this, you do that, it doesn't make a difference. But on Friday, you got to time yourself because there's a there's a there's a clock. So he picks that day. And he picked not only the day, and he he hafaf et rosho, he was in the shower. He was shampooing his hair. Nice. So he waited for that moment. When you're shampooing your hair, your hair doesn't look that beautiful and that great. People don't go out with shampooed hair with their shampoo. So there's another sensitivity in the world of anger when you're caught in an uncomfortable look, in an uncomfortable position. So he timed the day. He timed the look, shampooed hair look. And then he went by the house and he said the following Mikan Hillel, who here is Hillel? What a, what a powerful statement. Not Rabbi Hillel, not the Rabbi Hillel, not the Gadolador, the greatest rabbi of the generation, right? Mikan Hillel. Who, where is this Hillel? And Mikan. Mikan, like, who's here, like, no one, like, no one knows you. In other words, it, this could be you. I, I don't know. Mikan Hillel. Like, who here is Hillel? Are you Hillel? Oh, are you Hillel? Oh, are you Hillel? I don't know. There, there could be a bum there. There could be two bums there. Who here is Hillel? I don't know. Basically, stripping all of his life accomplishments, he is now no different than that guy? Same. Maybe that guy is Hillel too. Me can Hillel. And he said it twice, like in a very, you know, like you say to your children sometimes. Me can Hillel. Me can Hillel. Like he's selling potatoes in in the shuk. Disrespectful. Now you took his whole life, legacy and you. Where, where's the respect? It says that he came out. He put on a towel and he came out. Amar Allah, listen to this. He says to him, Beni. He says, my dear son. Ma What do you need? What are you looking for? He says to him, Sheelai yeshli lishol. You know, I had a question. He says, please, my son, ask. He says, why is it that the Babylonian people have oval heads? Imagine, such an important question. Maybe you thought he's going to give you a Chod question, maybe something that's relevant to the Kiddush. You know, can I make Kiddush on grape juice? Like, what, what, what? So urgent that you're walking in screaming Erev Shabbat. So the question that he chose is really upsetting. He asked a silly question and it's not a timely question either. Amar lo, he says, "Beni," he says, my son. He says he asked a great question. She'ela gedola she'alta. He says, what a genius. I can't believe it. He says, because the Babylonians don't have clever midwives. The midwives, the nurses, not so smart. So they mess up their head every time they come out. Okay. He leaves. He comes back. He waits an hour. He gives a little time, space. Comes back. He already met Hillel. Now, before you could say Hazid, he didn't know. Now he knows him already. Same story. Mika and Now he's really, you know when people try to get on your nerves and you know they're doing it on purpose, at least he feels that, he feels that way. You want to kill them. He says, comes out, Amar Beni, my son, Matam Vakesh. What do you need? He says, I have a question. I was thinking about it. He said, "Tell me, she'al beni, ask my son." He tells him, "How come the people from Tarmud, some country, how come their eyes are bleary, like this?" He told him, "Ou beni, my son, she'ela gedola shalta." He says, "What a question! What a question! Amazing, bomb!" He says, "Because they live next to the sand." So it always goes into the eye. Always squinting. He leaves again. Another hour. Comes back again. Guess what? Mikan hilal. Mikan He comes out again. He says, Beni, my son. Matan bakesh. What do you need? He says, She'ila, I have a question. He says, She'al beni. He says, Go ahead. He says, How come the Africans their feet are wide. They have wide feet? How come? He tells him, wow. he's just a small guy. What a question. He tells him, because they live in the marshlands, so they need wide feet to, I guess, straight stay, hold on. He says to Hillel, you know, I have many more questions. He says, Go ahead, ask. He says, I have a question. Are you the Hillel that people say is the leader of the Jewish people? Is that you? How, how embarrassing. Is that you? Are you the president of the United States? Is that you who they call president? Are you the rabbi here? You? You did? You? You're the rabbi? You're the guy that they say is the rabbi here? Really? You want to clock the guy. He tells him, he says, Amarlo hen, yes, actually I am. Amarlo imatahu. I don't know. I don't know. You know how offended you get when people think that you're lying to you? He says, listen, if it's true, I don't know if it's true, maybe you're a I don't know. But if it's true that you're Hillel, the Nasi, he says, he's pressing all the buttons. He's accusing me of lying now. He tells him, if it's you, Lo No one should be like you. No, people like you, we don't need people like you. Amalo Beni. Beni, my son. Why? Why are you saying that? It's very concerning to me. Why are you saying people shouldn't be like me? What do you think I did wrong? He says to him, I lost 400 zoos because of you. So Hillel tells him, be careful with your anger. He says it's worth it that you should lose 400 zoos. But Hillel not loses anger, not get angry. I'll lose this cool. That's the end of the Gemara. The Gemara says, you want to be Anav? You want to say, I'm Anav? Okay, hold on, hold on. Are you like Hillel? Could you be like Hillel? We don't need all this. We don't need Erev Shabbat. We don't need shampoo in our hair. We don't need stupid questions. We don't need curses. We get angry without anything. Basically, what this Gemara is saying is one simple principle that if you get angry in life, then that is the test that shows you're not humble, or better yet, you're not humble yet. You're not a bad person, but you're not humble yet. Because humble people like Hililil, they don't get angry. Not that he's controlling his anger. Hillel wasn't controlling his anger. If he was controlling his anger, it could be he wouldn't be able to handle it. That's a lot to hold in. But Hillel never even got angry. He never felt anything. You know why? Because Hillel had so much self-respect. Had so much kavod. Remember that word kavod? That Shlomo HaMelech says we get when we have anava. You get filled with kavod. When you get filled with kavod, things don't bother you. What people say, they don't upset you. Beni, yes. How can I help you? My son, look every time how he spoke to him. My son, yes. What do you have to say? When you have a lot of kavod, you can't penetrate that. When you're lacking kavod and someone knocks your ego by either asking a dumb question or the wrong timing, calling you a name or leaving you out, you should know every time we get angry, it's an ego problem. Simple. So you could say Hashem Melech all day long. Hashem, you're the king. And then you get angry, shows, no, no, no. You're the king. You're looking at yourself. You think you're the king. You think you're the melech that everyone has to bow to. Because ego is what brings anger. When your ego is hurt, anger comes out. But if you don't have an ego, because you have so much kavod, you feel so special about who you are, from from who you are, you don't need people to massage your ego then you don't get angry. Not that you hold yourself. You don't get angry altogether. And who could bring that to your life? I'm sure right now we're all walking out feeling failures. Because we get angry. Externally, internally, we get angry. The class wasn't to make you realize and to feel bad. The class to make you realize and to give you a solution. Very simple. Humility. Work on humility. If you work on humility, you have kavod. You have kavod, you don't get angry. You don't have to worry about anything making you angry. You deal with the most complicated people in the most complicated times. So next time a person gets angry, he should realize, oh, the great teacher of anger, the great teacher of anger taught you that you're not as humble as you should be, so let's go back and let's work on it a little bit more because I'm not the humble person I thought I was because I'm getting angry, it doesn't mean you can't tell people if they're doing wrong, it doesn't mean you can't instruct them if they're doing something bad to you, of course you could but don't get angry, don't blow up not externally and not internally and this way you have the sure way knowing that you are an anav like Hillel. That's my beracha to all of you that we should have all together true anava and to be able to enjoy all of its benefits. Baruch alain olam Amen veamen. Shouldn't no no. Right. Now that you asked. <laughs> thank you. Have a good one. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Just write it for me.
1: Yeah. have my number?
0: Huh? The one that. Which Albert? Oh Albert Shabbat. Oh beautiful. Yeah, yes. So send it to me. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Good seeing you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Yes